Uh, Father, our God, we thank you this day and every day. We ask that you would speak to us and speak through us. Help us to hear and say wonderful things that will honor you and provoke us all to faith and obedience. Thank you that you enable us to understand things that you already know about your world, your kingdom, your church, your people, about each of us individually. Thank you for the things we've seen and heard. We honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. First of all, I want to give thanks to the Lord for the privilege of being here with you. I, I initiated this visit sort of on my own. <laughs> I felt that uh, some time ago, I thought it would be pleasing to the Lord for me to come out here. Yeah. I've been thoroughly blessed by uh, the music. Uh, the words of the song were so provocative. Uh, worship is a prophetic reenactment of historical events and truths and concepts. What we do in worship, we restate the story. The choices of our songs are very important. We sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We make melody in our heart. We connect the past with the present and the future. And what we do in worship, we are restating the story. That God is creator, he's organizer, he's the maintainer of all things, that he can do all things. And one verse uh, of your song, you kept saying that... uh, he has never failed me now. I can't remember all of it. And at the end he said, and he won't. <laughs> that was powerful to me. Faith is an investment in God. When we have faith, we are investing in God. Paul said to Timothy, I know in whom I have believed that he's able to keep that which I have invested in his care. You must understand that uh, faith is not an emotional word. Faith is a conviction. It is a conviction. By now you've discovered that uh, God is consistent, but he's not predictable. Yeah, and that's been a great surprise to all of us. He's not an ATM machine. He watches over his word to keep it. Yeah. But the manner in which God responds to our request, the response to his creation, may vary from time to time. And we've seen that happen over these many years. Yeah. Sometimes we get confused because we are discovering now that uh, there's the law of time, the law of place the law of association, the law of experience in God. There's some things he does at a specific time. There's some things he does in a specific place. You have discovered that. But when you try to standardize God, and that's an issue, we try to standardize God. We have had a lot of uh, self-help ideologies, a lot of um, menus and things like that we should do and say, and we found that sometimes it does not always work. Now, he's faithful to watch over his word. But the manner in which he keeps his word will vary from time to time. I therefore think that probably one of the reasons for some of the challenges today has been that uh, there's been this crisis of tension between two words, expectation and realization. What we've been expecting and what we've been realizing, there was a disparity. But we have to lock into our mind that um, God means us well. When I discovered the whole idea that uh, God doesn't test us or prove us or try us with heartaches and sorrow, God makes a distinction between ignorance and rebellion. Ignorance is when you disobey the Lord because you don't know. Rebellion is something where you disobey and you you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. He deals with you quite differently. So in the moments I have this morning, I want to talk with you from the topic uh, I have learned. Mm -hmm. I've learned. I'm one year from being 80 and... uh, I have to a little bit boast in that. I never forget the Lord said to the prophet Zechariah, he said, I won't take from your midst the person that uh, 
walks upon the cane, or him that has the hoary head. I'm grateful that the Lord still needs us. Because some of you young whippersnappers are trying to push us out of the way. We're not going anywhere, and if I hear the word old school, new school, I'm going to throw something at you. That is not a biblical term, not a biblical concept. People don't think the same or talk the same just because of their generation, just because of their gender or age or race. They don't. We're different. I come from the, the South, Atlanta, Georgia, and years ago in our a magazine, or at least in our newspaper, there were ads specifically for women and ads for men. Because they thought, women, that you could not be lawyers. You don't know that. There was a time that if you were a physician, you could only be a, uh, how can I say, um, a gynecologist or uh, one that treats children. You couldn't be a cardiologist. Because they didn't feel that your brain was scripted to that. And so they restricted you. And there was a time that women were not even allowed to, uh, to preach, the head of churches. And that's, that ignorance still prevails today. Amen. And I'm grateful to the Lord that uh, when you get past 50, there are a lot of things you can do without permission. <laughs> I've asked nobody nothing. I'm going to ordain this person, I'm going to lay hands on them, and I don't really care what you think, really. So I've ordained a lot of women as bishops and apostles, and I love to see the reaction among the patriarchists. You know, they just get all tight wads, you know what I mean? How can you do that? I said, I just did it. <laughs> just did it. I was I'm thoroughly convinced that uh, God gave them, not him. Amen. I'm convinced that the woman was not taken from the rib of the man, but the side chamber. And uh, you might be interested to know, it was not a male. It was an it. When God put the it to sleep, he separated the male and female. And you need to understand that the reason that the serpent spoke to the woman first it's because he was looking for the smartest of the two. Yeah. You'll get that later, okay? Catch you later. <laughs> so I want to talk with you today from uh, things that I have learned, things that I've learned. Theology is the science of faith. It's our effort to interpret truths of God and to know what the Word of God, how it speaks to us. It should be inspired, but theology is a synthetic product. Only the Word of the Lord is authentic. That means that theologists should always be open for scrutiny, to be judged. And we've seen that over these last uh, three months or so. The pandemic has uh, been a great challenge to us. I think at the beginning, we were so caught up in the spiritual dynamic, we neglected the scientific. The spiritual is that we call it with prayer. Prayer always reveals our concept of God. When people pray, I listen. Sometimes they think God is a genie. Sometimes he's a judge. Sometimes he does things, uh, he helps us, he do things. God won't make you do anything. Yeah. You understand that? Prayer is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. Yeah. I think sometime in prayer, we probably spend a little bit too much time speaking. We have mastered the science of speaking. We need to cultivate the art of listening. If I believe in a speaking God. And prayer is always dependent upon two concepts. Divine liability and human responsibility. We have to decide and know what God will do. You've seen that since you moved into this new building here. You found out there's some prayers that uh, he won't answer. Yeah. He won't answer any prayer that requests him to do what he's empowered us to do. Yeah. There's some things he won't do. Trust me, he will not blow the leaves on my property. I prayed for a wind many times. <laughs> and nothing moved until I took out that blower and did it myself. Yeah. Pretty good. He won't answer any prayer that requests him to do again what he's called finish. Yeah. 
I used to go in churches during my early years and they would pray for a mighty anointing. They would pray that every word that I would speak would come from God. They would pray he would preach like he'd ever preached before. I said, you're praying for my death. Because <laughs> the anointing that's on me is the anointing that was on me all the time. Because it's the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And you're saying that I was speaking every word that I speak come from God? No, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a little me and a little God. And I hope it's more of him than me. But I know that there are some things that God has already done. Favor has already been a part of our redemptive package. Yeah. And God means us well. So we're standing, learning something about faith. And we learned that during the pandemic, we learned a whole lot about the spiritual. Yes, indeed, there are spirit powers. They are. They have no dominion over us. And you need to know that by now, as a Christian, as a believer, who's had an Acts, Acts 2 salvation experience, you cannot have demons. You cannot have beyond a generational curse. You can have generational tendencies. If you still think the way you thought before you were born again, you will act the same way. Warfare is not just what you do on your knees. It's what you do on your feet. Yeah. Warfare is continuing to walk, to move, to trust, to believe. Warfare is policing the principles. Huh. So we need to understand that warfare is not prayer. It's not prayer. Huh. When I pray, I speak to the Lord. I don't talk to a liar. Uh -huh. Why should I speak to the devil? He's a liar. That's why I don't talk to a lot of saints. <clears throat> Y'all are slow this morning. I can see that. <laughs> so one of the things we understand is that if we've had an Acts 2 salvation experience, there's some things that we have been delivered of. We get the privilege of faith. Faith, as I said before, is an investment of God. Faith allows us to see beyond the obvious. Faith allows us to obey God. Faith, you need to understand, is something that comes by hearing. There's something called the gift of faith. I've learned this over this many years. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are three that help you to know. There are three that help you to speak. And there are three that help you to do. The three that help you to know a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. The three that help you to speak are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And the three that help you to do is faith, healing, and miracles. You need to understand that. But the gift of faith is something that's powerful. And you all have experienced this. It is a supernatural rendering of God that enables us to do something that we could not do naturally. It does not come by hearing. And when you read Romans 8, it sort of gives you an understanding. Say, so we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray, but the Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. Yeah. Well, when the gift of faith comes, it's because the Holy Spirit sees the need within us. He imparts unto us an understanding that allows us to see beyond the obvious and to accomplish things we've never done before. Yeah. I'm dealing with people today who are suffering tremendous medical issues, medical problems, and doctors cannot cure them. And hear me carefully. And I've said to them repeatedly, when you go to your doctor, pray that your doctor will know what to do and what not to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a critical thing. Yeah. I'm a doctor. I'm a dentist. I'm a prosthodontist. And I must conclude to you that at times I get perplexed. There are times I've seen things I've never seen before. Yeah. But because I believe that God is the greatest dentist that ever lived. Uh -huh. Trust me. He is not off to anything. Yeah. And thoughts would come to me. Creative ideas. Wow. The gift of faith allows us to believe, to trust, to see, and to do things beyond our understanding. Yeah. And because I think we should pray for our doctors that they know what to do and what not to do. Mm -hmm. And also sanctify your medicine. Sanctified that you will reap the benefits and not the negative side effects. Wow. Some people look at me as if, number one, that's not possible. And, of course, you do know that uh, medicine is of God. 
There was a time that people wouldn't go to doctors because they thought God would do everything supernaturally. Science and medicine are not contradictory. Medicine is simply human efforts to understand what God has already created. That's what medicine is. The brain, the heart, the head. We're trying to understand how it works. He already knows. And that's why we practice medicine. And then be careful. Medicine in the faith. And when there is the gift of faith, it allows you to continue. It allows you to move on. It allows you to apprehend things. One of the greatest challenges we're facing today is with what I consider a generational defect. There are things that are happening that are very contrary. I'm meeting parents who said they trained their children in the wisdom of God. They raised them up to walk the right way. And yet still, for some reason, they deviate. Well, yet still, those same parents will say to me, but I can't let go. I still believe this is not the end. Something supernatural is about to happen. Even though, number one, they see them going so far afield. Not just the younger, but even the older. And the Spirit of God said to me, that's coming something called household evangelism. God is about to bring about a revival in those who knew him and turned away. You need to understand, sometimes you can know God. In fact, we're having to revitalize Jesus in the lives of believers. Because the challenges that we face many times have created contradictions in our lives. Sometimes we've been confused about the things that God does. Yeah. I shared to you earlier that God is, number one, he's consistent but not predictable. Yeah. That creates a crisis. Yeah. That's something called the law, of, the law of time, the law of place, the law of association, and the law of experiences. There's some things that you have to experience. The opposite of success is not failure, it's experience. There's some things you have to go through. There are some people you have to be associated with. Aquila and Priscilla had to meet number one Apollos. There are some places you have to be in. I do believe that the Lord brought you here. He brought you here at a specific time. You could not come before the time. And that frustrates us sometimes when we try to make something happen before the time. Your faith does not, conflute, does not rule God. God is not ruled by your confessions. He's not ruled by anything. But when you complain, you compromise creativity. Complaining compromises creativity because at the heart of complaining is the belief that you know more than God. I want to give you a secret. God is smart. (laughs) He knows more than we think he knows. And for that reason, I don't give him a lot of privileged information. That's why you know as many times my prayers are short. Because he said to me, "Now, now just what are you trying to tell me? No, I'm just, I'm just making my request. He said, I know your request. I knew it before you even spoke. You did? Oh, oh you think there's something impossible with me? So I um, understand that there's the law of time, the law of place. Sometimes we have to move to another place. If you delay that, number one, you compromise the work of God. See, God will meet you in a certain place. He'll meet you at a certain time. He'll meet you under certain conditions. Yeah. There are certain people you have to be related to. When I discovered that God commands me to love, he didn't command me to trust. In fact, he didn't even command me to like you. And that was liberating to me. Because there are some people I just don't like. I, I don't know about you. I just, I just don't like them, you know, just the way they are, the way they do things. Don't understand that. And some people I cannot trust. The scripture said, he that puts confidence in an unfaithful person is like having a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Now, I'm a dentist and my daughter-in-law is a, uh, she's a podiatrist. And that's a painful situation. But he says, now, I command you to love. Love is an investment in people. But the dividends are not always predictable. Like trust is an investment in character. 
But you've discovered sometimes you can put an investment. That's why I say to people constantly, don't ever loan what you cannot afford to give away. That's why I do not allow my grandson to use my car. It's an old automobile. Been around, I just got rid of it recently. It had over 360,000 miles on it. And I said, I know if I loan you the car, you'll come back and say these words. Grandpa, I don't know what happened. (laughs) And see, that would be your interest way into another dimension of life. (laughs) But that's the law of time, the law of place, the law of a situation. And that's why, as I share with you the benefits of these many years that I've lived, I want to give you some insight. My preaching is not uh, traditional. You will find out I don't give an introduction in 10 points and a closure. I believe that when I speak, and I'm not short on writing, I've written over 18 books, maybe 20 now, written over 500 papers in all different areas. But whenever I come before God's people, he said, he said, I want you to open your heart. He said, when you preach, I want you to preach to potential. You are potential today. You're standing before me. Some of you can go to the right and you can go to the left. And he said that words are healers. The right words spoken at the right time and the right place and the right manner to the right people and the right spirit can do miracles. He said, teach them how to navigate through life. Teach them how not to become discouraged because they're living in a tension, a tension between things they've been expecting and things that have not yet been realized. And some of them have frustrations with God. You know, one of the major causes of human behavior and misbehavior is our concepts of God. And that some people believe that God has not answered their prayer, that God has not fulfilled promises that he's made to them, yeah. and they're a little bit frustrated. We don't say it. Yeah. We just act it out. Yeah. I was in a church one time. I never forget it was, in, uh, it was in France. And they wanted me to speak on what I call a spiritual uh, stewardship. They wanted to give me some ideas how to get people to give more. I said that the problem is not money. The problem is a spiritual problem. Yeah. They have an offense with God. Wow. See, when we, when we draw back, when we don't lift our hands, when we stop responding, when we stop coming, it's not because of the culture or climate. It's because, number one, we think that God has betrayed us. Maybe that's wow. a strong word. Hmm. Or God has not answered our prayer. Yeah. Be thankful when God does not answer all of your prayers. Yeah. If he'd answer all of my prayers, 50 people would be dead today. <laughs> No, I just added two more. And I thought, yeah, two. Because I think what we're seeing many times, that when, if we understand the law of time, the law of place, the law of association, the law of experiences, there's some things that we must experience. And God does not do things before the time. That's why the greatest strength of the redeemed community in you is clarity. To be able to give people an understanding of times and seasons. Call discernment. Now let them know what's really going on right now. With this pandemic, indeed, we will get past this. There have been other pandemics, indeed. And enemy capital is not just warfare. There are spiritual dynamics. Always when you're dealing with evil, there's the the spirit world. Because you need to see, I believe in original sin. That in the garden there was no sickness, no disease, no volcanic eruptions, no Prozac. Heaven and earth interacted. He came down in the cools of the day. And hear me carefully, until sin entered, and that's when distress, division, and strife, volcanic eruption, that's when it entered the created space. Yeah. But in the meantime, we need to understand and give people an understanding of what's going on. We are now called to be stewards. One of the greatest things that's happening today is that God is now activating, once again, the priesthood of the believer. Huh. For so long, we talked about leadership, leadership development. Indeed, we needed that. But he's about to, number one, employ you all. 
It's your gifts. It's your calling. It's you understanding how faith works. Faith works by memory. There's some things you must remember in order to have faith. But faith works by forgetting. There's some things you have to forget to have faith. Forgiveness is victory over anything that's offended you. You kept speaking about hope. Hope is victory over tomorrow. Forgiveness is not memory loss. It's memory without vengeance. I can forgive you, but I still remember what you did, knucklehead, so you won't do it again. You need to understand that. And when we can give people an understanding of the time and the season that we've gone through, let them know when evil spirits are at work. I was in a church preaching, and I said to them, how many of you believe that your teenagers have spirits? There was a whole line of people. I said, you believe your teenagers have spirits? Yeah, they're rebellious. I said, no, those are not spirit. That's, that's the act of age and maturity. Yeah. If I go back and talk to your mother, they will say the same thing about you. Yeah. You understand that? I said, you cannot have demons. You all do know that. You can't have generational curses. Because if you had an axe to tra- conversion, that means you heard the gospel. You repented. Faith came into your heart. You were delivered from spirits. And then, number one, you were baptized. Baptized in the Holy Ghost and baptized in water. And you entered the believing community. Cannot have spirits. And the importance of the Holy Ghost. So one of the things the Lord is activating, number one, is the priesthood of the believer. He's going to put a lot of emphasis on the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's the executive administrator of the Godhead. He's the one that gets things done. He's the author of faith, the engineer of hope. He's the giver of visions and dreams and revelation. He enables us. The first person of the Trinity you met was not Jesus. It was the Holy Ghost. He's the agent of regeneration. He's the one that guides us. He's the one that eliminates prejudice. He's the one that validates ministry. And he's going to start working on people, ordinary people. I wrote a paper once on the power of ordinary. Did you know that God can enable us to do things beyond our natural ability? The race is not to the swift children. The battle is not to the strong. Time and chance happen to those that understand the work of the Holy Ghost. And they can listen to him and obey. God is going to compensate for your human inability. One of the ways to start giving answers to your prayers. You're going to pray more in the Holy Ghost. You can pray in the spirit and pray with the spirit. I pray with the spirit when I pray in my language, but I'm praying according to his agenda. I pray in the spirit when I pray in the Holy Ghost. And in fact, he's saying to me, start praying more in the Holy Ghost. When you start praying in the Holy Ghost, unusual things happen. So the fact that he gives you answers to your prayer. And hear me carefully, don't spend all of the time trying to tell him what he already knows. And if you spend 20 minutes speaking, spend 20 minutes listening if you believe in a speaking God. He's going to enable us also to receive and communicate divine information. One thought from God, children, can bring you in a whole new world. God can give you creative ideas and insight. I don't care what your profession is. Whether it's science, whether it's athletics, whether it's entertainment or music, whatever it is. One thought from God. I found out that God was the greatest dentist that ever lived. I'm a prosthodontist. I'm good at what I did. I was educated in the best of schools. And they asked me sometimes, how do you do this? I can't tell them. You know, Jesus told me. They won't understand that. If I told them the Holy Ghost helped me, they'd look at me like I'm, I'm weird. I said, I just, I just got a thought one day. And then if they asked me, well, how did the thoughts come? I said, now, you're messing with me. You won't talk that. I'm going to tell you the whole deal. I'm going to tell you how the Holy Ghost gave me a vision and I saw this situation. Keep talking. I'll tell you about that. So the fact that we can receive and to communicate divine information. But here's the other part. And this is going to be a challenge to you. Those who totally obey the Lord. And obedience is difficult. Because sometimes to obey the Lord is to go against our will. 
I just discovered I've been praying for his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth for years. I didn't know I was praying for trouble. I was praying for light to shine on darkness, for his will to be imparted to my will. To obey God is to believe that God is smarter than we are. Yes. To obey him is to believe that God means you well. When God gives you a directive, and have you found by now that God declares the end from the beginning, but it leaves off the middle part? That's called process. Have you discovered that? That some things you have to go through. Before you get to perfection, you have to walk a while with mediocrity. Have you found that? Have you found that? I got a little grandson now, and they gave him a drum. I said, I can say, you've never done this before. And I think I want you to understand, there are more people that live in the house than you. You put earphones on you, but you didn't put them on grandpa. Before we get to our destination and we have to walk with process. Now, you need to hear this now. Because sometimes you think something is failure when it's really a part of the process. There's some things you have to go through. There's some people you have to be associated with who rubbed you the wrong way. The scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He said, uh, be involved with those as long as it is within you. There's some people that it's difficult for you to coexist with them beyond 30 minutes. Every Thanksgiving, I spend about an hour with some of my family members. After an hour, I say, time for me to leave. <laughs> because I know we've gone beyond the time of patience. I understand that. So God is imparting to you a privilege to do something that you've never done before. Yeah. And there are more of you who will be going through some relocation. Some of you will be discovering gifts and callings that you have you never knew you had. Wow. Some of you will be entering an area you thought that you were not qualified to do. Hear me carefully, children. One word from God is the qualifying agent. When God allows you to see, number one, the end from the beginning, allows you to see into the future, one thing that the Holy Ghost does is allows you to look beyond the obvious. What do you see? Five fingers. No, it's more than that. He allows you to see things that you never imagined could happen. Where do you think all these creative ideas have come from? God not only works with believers, he works with unbelievers. God can take a fool and do something that's unusual. Yes. Don't ever restrict him. He's unrestricted. He's yeah. the all-powerful God. Yeah. But the one thing that grieves him is when people complain when they don't trust him. Because wow. when you don't trust God, you're saying that you're not able. Why are you laughing, Sarah? I didn't laugh. Yes, you did laugh. Don't ever lie to him. Don't ever say what you didn't do. He knows what you did. Why did you laugh, Sarah? Well, you know how old I am? Yes, I brought you in this world, Sarah. I created you. I know how you are, but you know certain things don't function. Yeah, I know that too, Sarah. But uh, did they tell you uh, what I did and what I'm about to do? Did they tell you how I, I made something from nothing? Did they ever talk to you about how I created all this universe? It didn't just spring in. Yeah. I said, let that be light. Did they talk to you about that? No, they haven't talked to you about that yet. But oh, Sarah, look, it doesn't matter about your age. And some of you are making excuses because of your age. Don't ever try to restrict God because of your chronology, yeah. even because of your experiences. It has nothing to do with that. God is initiating the supernatural yeah. miracles as a testimony that he rules over all time, seasons, circumstances, and people. We're living in a miraculous time, children. We're in the midst of revival. It's a time to shout. That's why every day I let no sadness come nigh me. He said, don't let any sadness, don't let any fear, no dread, no regret. Don't let it come nigh you. Every morning I wake up, I awaken the silence, hear me carefully, of joy. And I silence the noise of sadness. You know how I do it? By my memory. Faith works by memory. It works by forgetting, but it works by doubt. 
When God tells me to do something, if I hear something that says I can't do it, I doubt that. I don't deny the problem, but I recognize that God has the last word. And when we recognize that he has the last word, everything becomes possible. There's some things we can't do before the time. Some things we can't do before the place. Some things we can't do before there's certain people involved with us. And that means we have to learn to maintain relational integrity. You have to learn to make the marriage work. Marriage is war. I wouldn't laugh now. I'll give you a moment. <laughs> Marriage is war. Two selfish people coming together. Each one thinks they have the right to their own decision. The strength of marriage is not love. The strength of marriage is forgiveness. Forgiveness is victory over yesterday. Anything that's offended you, you can forgive. Hear me carefully. And believe it or not, that the thing that keeps the marriage together is sensitivity. Sensitivity. Being sensitive. Watch people. Watch their mannerisms. Yeah. I remember one time my wife and I was having a discussion and uh, words got a little heated. And uh, she said some things and I said, am I bleeding? <laughs> I know I feel that with wounds. <laughs> I have wounds, but am I bleeding? I said, I think I would live. Marriage has disagreements. Yeah. Marriage has tension. Marriage has stress. Say amen. Stop looking at me strange. Amen. You know marriage has tension, has stress. And you know that now the strength of love is forgiveness. You know how healing come. One of the greatest things you can ever say in a relationship is that, I'm sorry. Well, let's just try it. Say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, that means you never said it before. You're not saying it loud enough. Let me say, <laughs> say, I'm sorry. Okay. Say, I love you. I love you. Say, I forgive you. I forgive and you. say these words, but don't you ever do it again. I like that part. I like that part. I like that part. And you have to say it now with a little energy now. I love you, but don't you never do it again. Has to be a little energy, a little frown in the vow. I'm sharing with you things that I have learned. I'm sharing with things that I've experienced, things that I've handled of the word of life. I've had to deal with all kinds of people. And one of the things that I've had to deal with is, number one, maintaining relationship integrity. There's a verse of scripture that said, husband and wife, don't argue, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I was counseling a couple and I said, uh, have you read that before? They said, yes. I said, what do you do when you're arguing and the sun is going down? They said, we turn on the light. <laughs> okay. You got me there. You got me there. I must stop praying for you today. I'm talking about the dimensions of life, what we're about to move into, opportunities that the Lord has given us. And I'm thankful the Lord has allowed me to live these many years to see what I've seen. There's some things we have to change, and you've changed that here. You've changed that. Lineage, wonderful name. You're transgenerational, transethnic, transculture. But you're transrevelational. That means you can understand the great truths of the past. Two words I want you always to remember, timely and timeless. You need to understand things that don't change and things that, number one, are situationally specific. There's something God does for a time and for a season and a certain place. Then he ceases to do that. Your knowledge of that will bring great deliverance to a lot of people. You need to understand that. You need to understand things that are timely, things that are timeless. And that's one of the challenges. There's some distresses that are absolutely necessary. This pandemic has created a lot of stress. Because we found out that there's some things that we did not expect or anticipate. And we found out that our faith proposition didn't keep it away from us. Some were preaching from Psalms 91. I say you should have been preaching from Psalm 126 when the Lord turns the captivity. Not that he caused it. There's some things we have to go through. 
Faith does not indemnify you from problem. The favor of God is not the absence of problem. The favor of God means that when you have problems, none of them ever have the victory over you. Did you understand that now? Favor doesn't mean that I'm identified. David said, now I know the Lord favors me. And that none of my enemies have ever had the victory over me. When you live in a culture of distress, because we do not live, number one, in a Christological culture. That different beliefs, different concepts. People think differently. We're having conflicts every day. And the power is knowing to be able to see the problem. See the reason for the conflict. And see how we can resolve it. How we can enlist people in God's kingdom. And that's where we are. God is using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we're privileged to be living in this day and time. I promise you. Privileged to do. We know something about history. Don't ever discard the landmarks, children. Always remember the things that need to endure. Love is still a marketable thing. But love is an investment in people. But the dividends are not always predictable. When you give, don't always give to get something back. If you give as unto the Lord, he will never disappoint you. Because the only one that can make a promise and never unfulfill it is God. Humans would always do what they do. They have not the power to fulfill every word. The only one that can ever say I will be with you always, even to the end of the age, is the Lord. Not people. So learn to recognize the frivolity in people, the weaknesses in people. Learn to forgive. Learn to be healers. That's what he's called us to do. To be healers. Learn to be restorers. You put me in any environment where there's contention, I'll deal with it. You can't stand. Doctors can't stand in my light. The words that I speak will bring clarity and understanding to you. You can pout and look like you're angry, but when I finish with you, number one, you'll be rejoicing. I'll have you remembering things that God has done in your past, remembering yeah. things God has done in your history. Yes. I'll have you remember when you was a child and how the Lord gave you things that you wanted to have. Huh. I'll have the Lord talking to you and you start thinking about things in the future. I'll rehearse visions and dreams in your mind. I'll remind you of gifts and calling you forgot about. Yeah. And once I finish with you, you'll be thankful to God. You might be mad at me, but you'll be thankful to God. Yeah. <laughs> One brother asked me, son, he said, brother, he said, I think the Lord has brought you here to bring deliverance to me. He said, yes, he had. <clears throat> he said, you're going to speak a word to me? I said, no, I'm going to beat you to the end of your life. Because <laughs> deliverance for you is a good whooping. That's what you need right now, good beating. With all the opportunities God has given you, the greatest doors he's opened for you, and you sit here now and say you got to pray through something. What are you praying for? And there's some of you that are reluctant because all kinds of personalities are here. I know we have the clerics. Those are the ones that have to rule. I know we have the sanguines. Those are the ones who get permission rather than, I mean, ask forgiveness rather than permission. Free spirits. You know how they are. They never tell you what they're going to do. Just do it. You understand? They're world. They're just wonderful people. You have some that are melancholics. Intuitive people never let you know what they're thinking. Then the phlegmatic who gets annoyed when there's not order and that's not structure. But also there's some alarmists here. That's those of you that make a molehill out of a mountain. One plane does not fly. The whole airport is shut down. One tree falls. The whole forest has fallen. One setback. One relationship that doesn't go right. Everybody is a liar. I can't trust nobody anymore. That's an alarmist. And then you have what I call realists. You have to see it. You have to see it. I got to see it. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. Faith looks beyond the obvious. There's some things you won't see with your natural ears, children, or your natural eye. Believe me, Catherine. All kind of personality. And you need to understand your personality dynamic, how you function. And you need to discover how God works with you. 
I hope you don't fleece God because your name is not Gideon. God wants to speak to your heart. He wants to speak to your spirit. And stop separating your heart from your spirit. They're inseparable. God speaks to your head. Your head is inseparable from your heart. One and the same. The first word you heard from God was a head word. He can't speak to your heart without speaking to your head. And some of you need to understand, don't fleece God. But understand the nature of your personality, how God works with you. God works with you. He can speak to you through other people. Don't shut off counsel that come. He's been speaking to some of you through dark speeches. Like I'm speaking to you right now. And some of the things I'm saying right now are registering in your heart. And you're asking yourself, how did he know? I can't tell you what else I know. That lets you know that the Holy Spirit can reveal truths and understanding to you that you've never known before. In essence, what the Lord is doing for us, he's taking away all excuses. He's taking away all excuses. There's no excuse anymore. We've learned too much. We've come too far. We've seen too much revelation, too much TV, too much, too much technology that made aware all things to us now. We know a whole lot about the nature of God, the character of God, the ways of God, how God does things. There's no excuse. No excuse. We've had enough experiences. We know by now the things that we can do. And many of you are multi-gifted people. They asked me years ago, how do I know what my gift is? I said, simple. What is it that you do well? What is it that you're most creative when you do it? What is it that you do, number one, that you receive the greatest amount of satisfaction? What is it that you do that other people acknowledge that you do well? What is it that you do that you're willing to do even if you were not compensated for it? Yeah. What is it that you do you're willing to stand before God and say, this one thing I do? Wow. When you answer those questions, I promise you, you found out your gifting. And sometimes you can be multi-gifted. Learn to subject the lesser gift to the greater gift. You know what a greater gift is now? I'm an outstanding dentist. I am. I know what I do. I do well. But preaching the word of God, flowing in the spirit of God, is my greatest gift. When I do that, that's the greatest satisfaction I have. I'm most creative. I'm most creative. I flow in the Lord. There's nothing that can stop me from doing that. And don't be too quick. No more to stop before the time. There's no failure if you don't quit. And some of you are catastrophized. One thing goes wrong. And learn how to forgive yourself. Did you know that the greatest expression of stewardship is learning how to forgive you? Yeah. I'm dealing with major prophets now that are in a state of depression wow. because they gave a false prophecy and they think they are false prophets. There's a difference between a false prophet and a false prophecy. False prophets, it's Hananiah. The Lord spoke to him. This is why he's a false prophet. Not that he prophesied falsely. God said, but I didn't speak to him. I didn't send him. And he teaches rebellion against the Lord. You have to learn by now, children, that you'll miss it. And some of you are stagnated. You don't want to continue to flow again because you made a mistake. We're not infallible, children. We'll make a mistake. Sometimes you think that God has given you that parking space and you go there and somebody just beats you there. And you get fearful. I didn't hear from God. No, no, no. That was your mind, but that's okay. That's not the end of the world. Sometimes because you were believing something to happen, you were trusting something, and something didn't happen the way you think. And then you beat up on yourself and you think, I can't trust it again. That's a spirit of intimidation that wants to make you mindful of your humanity. We are human. Yeah. We're not infallible. We can make mistakes. Yeah. But the thing you learn to do is to get over the mistake, forgive yourself, and to get on with God. Yeah. If God does not to hold you, number one, in bondage, why should you hold yourself? Yeah. Some of you are what I call your greatest enemy. I found a little book once again, How to Become Your Own Best Friend. Ooh, 
trying to become your own best friend. Confidence is not arrogance. Confidence is knowing that what you do has come from God. Arrogance is thinking you did it all by yourself. Yeah. One man was boasting to a guy about the property he just got. He said, oh, look what the Lord has done. Look how the Lord built this place. Look how the Lord called these trees to go. And the guy looked at him and said, well, you should have seen what it looked like when he had it all by himself. Because by himself, nothing was done. He needed me. Learn that, number one, how to forgive yourself when you stumble and make mistakes. Learn how to move to second base, even though you had a run in at first. Learn how to run the bases, even when you got thrown out one time. Learn how to swing again when you missed it. Learn how to do it all over again. I think what faith does is allow you to do it again. That's what faith does. Faith allows you to do it again. Every morning you wake up, you say, I'm going to do it again. What do you want? I'm going to believe again today. I'm going to love someone that I know don't deserve my love, but I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to forgive them if they will repent. If you don't repent, it's not going to happen. Faith is first cousin of repentance. You've got to turn it around. So my words that I'm sharing with you are things that I've learned, things I've seen and heard. And I want to give some words about this church, this ministry. You're on a cutting edge. You've always been a cutting edge ministry. You've been a ministry always that's always been been before the time. <laughs> You've been a ministry, number one, that's based its strength upon revelation. Revelation. Revelation is divine disclosure. That's when God reveals things to us about himself, about his nature, about his character, and even about us. Revelation speaks to faith. And what we've learned is how to manage revelation. And that's what you're learning. Sometimes you have a setback because you need to understand, children, faith is risky. If you don't want to risk, leave it now. It's risky. And sometimes things won't go the way you think they will. But don't be too quick to call yourself a failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no failure unless you quit. This is a place of revelation. It's a place of expansion. I promise you. And you've gone through your various cycles. Have to understand the cycles of life are the cycles of ministry. There are cycles in ministry. Like you have children, there are cycles that are there. There are cycles in life. As you get older, you find out there's some things you don't need to do. I don't need to walk as fast as some of you young whippersnappers now. I've been to where you're trying to get to. I don't need to walk that fast. I know what's there. I don't need to do that. There are cycles. And you're discovering the cycles by which the Lord works with you. You understand the people. And if you start on a journey, everyone that starts with you won't go with you. You learn by now. You have a Demas experience. You'll have a John Mark experience. You'll have a Barnabas experience. The people that start with you will not be the ones that end with you. But you have to understand, as long as you're in the ministry, there's some things that are unavoidable. You have to understand things that you cannot escape, children. There's some things unavoidable in life. Have to go through. Have to go through Samaria. Wow. Have to visit with these people. Have to deal with I have to be betrayed. I love the verse. And the night that he was betrayed, the greatest revelation came to him. There's some things unavoidable, children. And always remember, God means you well. God means you well. One year from 80, seen 10 elephants fly. Very little that I haven't seen. I've seen things spring up overnight and not finish that course. My heart breaks sometimes when I see a ministry that came with such potential, such ability, such skill, such anointing, such enabling, and not finish that course. It grieves my heart. Grieves my heart. And God has made me to be stewards of people. You are called to be stewards of people that you have not yet seen. Ooh, yeah. What you do here is affecting the life of others. 
Paul said to Israel, your hypocrisy has called the Gentiles to blaspheme God. What you do affects other people. When my daughter-in-law became a podiatrist, I said to you, I said to her, what you're doing is going to affect other members of your family. Others will follow you. Three of her nieces became podiatrists after her. The fact that you are persistent, that you follow through, that you continue, the fact that you maintain your relational integrity, the fact that you're willing to venture out and do things that you've never done before. Some of you know you're supposed to get your doctorate. Some of you know you need to go back to school and finish the things that you start. It's not a matter. No excuses. I'm taking away all of them this morning. No excuse. You need to fill out the application again. And just because you receive a no, no does not mean never. Sometimes you move before the time, but when you move in his time, and now's the time, I feel in my heart now releasing the door, releasing the opportunities now. And the place that you wanted to go might not have been the place he wanted to, but I promise you, when you put the application in this time, not only is the door going to open, but you're going to find money. Not coming from heaven, it's called scholarships, tuition, and grants. I love those words. I love those words. I can afford free. I love those words. But I hope that you're hearing me today. I want to impart unto you, as Paul would say, some spiritual wisdom and counsel that you might be established. And I have to speak from what I have learned, what I've seen, and what I've heard. And I have to always think about such potential, such possibility that's here every time I come. And I felt he wanted me to come this time. Yeah. Wanted me to come. I didn't know your weather was going to be this contentious. It was supposed to have been at least, they say, in the 80s. That always happens when I come to California. They tell me how warm it was before I came. <laughs> and I just get a warm feeling and heart when they say, to them, but since you've come, the weather's dropped down. I said, I don't want to hear that. Fit <laughs> at all. Someone told me it was 67 degrees. That is unfathomable. I can't even imagine that at all. But I pray that you've heard my words. Yeah. You discovered by now my preaching is scattered. I talk about a lot of different things. That's because I try to listen to the Spirit of God. I didn't come try to impress you with my homiletics, my theological acumen, not at all. But I want to hear from the Spirit. And if I've heard from Him, number one, that will be fruit. The fruit will be in your behavior, will be in your attitude, and be what you've done. Hopefully, I would have strengthened you and challenged you. But hopefully, above all, I would have pointed you to Him and let you know that He is your strength. He is your help. And He is releasing us now this whole idea of the priesthood of a believer, that's a whole liberation. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things because it enables you to see beyond the obvious. Yeah. enables you to understand the connection. The little book that I wrote called Spiritual Intelligence was a great thing for me because to understand the ways of God, visions and dreams and revelation, how to deal with prophecy. And some of you receive prophetic words. How you interpret them. I did a teaching once on prophecy, personal prophecy. I wanted people to understand it because I think we need to comprehend that as we move forward. Yeah. I assume the piano is playing because I've missed my time and I need to turn you loose. <laughs> oh, okay. I go to some people, they start playing the piano. I said, okay, that's the mean. And I, I ignore the first refrain. Say that. It's like when I'm praying with people who are praying. And I, some people you should never ask to pray over the food. And I had a brother, he used to pray and, uh, oh Lord, he would bless everybody. He would bless the nation and the countries and the birds and the bees and all the lands and all the churches. He would pray. I'm talking about praying, strong, fervent, five minutes or more. And I would promise say, Ben, I would say, amen. That wouldn't get him. I said, praise God. And I said, hallelujah. 
And then finally I said, come on, Brandon, give it a rest. <laughs> Food is cold. So, but whenever I would hear a refrain, I would know all time. That was a time for me to sort of turn things down. I felt to come because I felt there was a grace of the Lord that had been imparted to you very timely now. Which means that there's some things that you're about to do, you're going to do without sweat. Amen. Mark my word. Amen. Do without sweat. Without sweat. Where Amen. we've done before with sweat and with labor, etc. There comes a time when you say, you're going to do this next phase without sweat. Amen. Which means you're going to sense not only the enabling of the Holy Spirit, but the enabling of people. There are some people that have left indeed because people leave not because of adversarial things. Don't get that out of your mind. Sometimes people could stay in a place too long. Sometimes relationships should, number one, should part for a while. Sometimes we part company to come back at a most appropriate time. And when we come back, it's in the timing of the Lord, not always adversarial. And when we learn to embrace, but the next phase, without sweat, hear me carefully, and that means you'll be thankful to the Lord. So I wanted to impart these things to you, some ideas and concepts and insight I do believe the Lord has put within my heart. I'm so grateful. Love you with all my heart. Love you with all my heart. Uh, don't even know how that's possible. I don't know all of you. Paul said, henceforth, I know no one by the flesh. Wow. It's not that I know you by the flesh, but I know you by the spirit. Amen. At the age that I am now, I can tell when I'm in the company of the redeemed. Wow. There's an energy that's there. Uh-huh. There's a life. Wow. There's a light. There's an enthusiasm that I sense. Yeah. I could walk into a room sometime. And it's like people have drained all of the life out of the room. Wow. Ever been there? Yeah. But sometimes you walk in a room, that's life, that's energy. I yeah. can sense it. And I sense it this morning in your song, your music. Uh, I like that part when it said that he won't. Yeah. Hadn't failed me yet. I can't remember all the words. Yeah. But I kept hearing one song. You, each song would flow in. It was just revelation, talking about the Lord, what he would do, what he had done. And every time we were sad, and I had to refrain the tears. Worship is a prophetic reenactment of historical events. What we do in worship, we testify yeah. that he's sovereign, that he rules of all times yeah. and season. Yeah. We testify that he's creator, organized and maintainer of all things. What we do in worship in the selection of our song, our prayers, and everything we do, when we raise our hand, it's not just the lifting of our hand. It's the celebrating of victory. We're saying he is. Yeah. Not only he is. He's not the great I was. He's not the great I will be. He's the great I am. And every time we testify that, we lift our hand before him. So I want to give thanks to the Lord, to you, to you. I want to give thanks to the Lord, to you.